this was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. A person who thinks all the time has nothing to think about except thoughts. So, he loses touch with reality and lives in a world of illusions. By thoughts, I mean specifically chatter in the skull, perpetual and compulsive repetition of words, of reckoning and calculating. not saying that thinking is bad. Like everything else, it's useful in moderation. A good servant, but a bad master. And all so-called civilized peoples have increasingly become crazy and self-destructive because through excessive thinking they have lost touch with reality. That's to say, we confuse science with the real world. Welcome to the show, everybody. Listening to The Confessionals, I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. If you want more shows every week on Thursdays, we release a bonus episode on the website to members only. All you got to do is go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become a member today and you'll get access to all previous member episodes and all future member episodes. And this world is crazy. If you haven't noticed, it's 2020 and it's only getting crazier as the year goes on. And that's why we decided to start offering preparedness food, emergency preparedness food through preparewiththeconfessionals.com. That's preparewiththeconfessionals.com. There you can get emergency preparedness food that lasts up to 25 years shelf life. And if you get the four-week supply, 
we'll knock $100 off for you right away. Not only do we offer emergency preparedness food, but we also offer emergency supplies on that website. All you got to do is click around, find it, and you can get it. Now, I think that's a great deal. But what's even a better deal is this week we have Charlie Robinson coming on the show. Charlie Robinson is an author. He is the author of The Octopus of Global Control and now also the co-author of the new book, The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire. Charlie's going to be coming on the show to talk to us about his book that he just came out with that has now reached the top 50. That's the top 50 Amazon's best-selling books. Let's get to Charlie right now. All right, today we got a great show coming up here. We have Charlie Robinson. How you doing, sir? You're returning to the get to the show. I'm good. How are you doing? Good. To- Thanks for having me back. Oh, dude, I'm glad you're here, man. I-, I think it's so cool how we sparked a relationship up just off of. I think I found you off of Sean Atwood's YouTube channel, and then I contacted you to be on the show to talk about Epstein, and then from there it just kind of snowballed. But that's uh, right. Yeah, dude, man, it- uh, it's great having you. Well, um, it's good to be back. And every time I d- every time I come on your show, I get you know. I get emails from people. Hey, I heard you on Tony's show. <laughs> so, That's cool. So you have a you have a, a very um, interactive audience, which yes. I appreciate. Yes, we do. And uh, Charlie, before we get too deep into why you're here today, I want to give you an opportunity to give yourself a shout out as far as, um, well, you can drop the books and stuff like that, but also your podcast, man. Podcast, Macro Aggressions. I'm enjoying this. We're at like episode 70 now so far this year. And um I love putting out the information. I've had such a great uh, response from people. It's very cathartic to me too, you know, as well. I, I to, to be able to get this stuff off of my chest, you know, early on, you feel like you're kind of talking to yourself like a maniac. Uh, you know, you don't know if anybody's listening, but but um, I have been so. Uh, in, just grateful of the overwhelming response. A lot of people are connecting with the show and they like it. And so I'm going to keep doing it. We do two episodes a week. One is a monologue. One is a video interview with, with somebody else. And it's available on Apple and Spotify and iHeartRadio, YouTube, and also David Icke's uh, video platform called Iconic. So people can... People can find it. I've made... You know, we've made it easy to, to get out there for people to... Uh, to consume it. And, uh, and I certainly do appreciate the feedback that I get from a lot of the listeners. It's, uh, it's been, it's been a, it's been a trip, man, but I, I really enjoy doing it. Yeah. So, I mean, macroaggressions, it basically, uh, is based off of your fir- first book, which is, uh, um, the octopus of global control. And that book is basically a done in monologue form on one of your episodes. And then you have the interview style on the other, right? Yeah, exactly. I kind of took I took uh, chapters or topics from the book and just, uh, you know, dedicated like a a, an episode to one particular topic and just hammered on that and then moved on to the next. And so, yeah, it's it. I mean, my book covers a a wide variety of topics. I figured the podcast should mirror that as well. So it's uh, people said, hey, do you ever do an audio book for the octopus? I'm like, well, you should listen to the podcast. It's kind of like it's kind of like the audio book version of that of that book. But um, but, you know, similar topics, 
it's me ranting and raving like a lunatic, which I did in the book as well. Um, and I read some of the quotes, you know, from, from the people that, uh, you know, the format of the octopus book is, is that I had quotes from over 500 different people that were playing a role, uh, in, in some of the most important, uh, aspects of, of our society, you know, over the last couple hundred years. So I would take these quotes from those people. And then during the podcast, uh, if I get on a topic about something, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll refer to some of the quotes from the, the people that made it into the book. So I've, I've just had so much fun doing it and, uh, and we'll see where it goes. You know, I, you, you go back and you watch some of those early Rogan, uh, yes. episodes, you know, from like years ago and it seems so weird to you. So I, I, I envision that at some point I'll go back and, you know, and re- listen to re-listen to the first batch of episodes and I'll be like, Oh, you know, like mortified at me. But, uh, <laughs> I think that's probably fairly normal for most people that, that, that do this. But, uh, um, it's just been, it's been a nice way for people to, uh, take a, you know, take a, an hour out of their day to get informed on a particular topic and then go out in the world and do their thing and do whatever else they're doing. But, uh, easy to, to digest. And of course I want to make sure that people have, uh, access to me too. So I always, you know, tell people like, Hey, go to the website, the octopus of There's a message function there. People send me emails. Hey, I have a question about this, or you talked about a, a particular thing in this episode. Could you elaborate on that? And so I'm pretty easily accessible <laughs> for people. And, um, and I like it. I like the interaction with the, the people that are listening. It keeps me going. Yeah. And so if anybody wants the book right here, the octopus of global control, that's your first book. And if anybody can yep. see that, I mean, this thing is it's, it's thick, thick. It's jam-packed <laughs> with information and when i opened it up i was like small print too <laughs> i know i know i mean if you would have gone big print it'd probably been a thousand pages so it, well, it, the book I, I cut 280 pages out of the book too because it, it would have it's it already was 540 but i mean uh the thing was the thing was massive there's a lot to discuss you know but i, I know that it, nobody wants to go read war and peace part two you know that nobody wants to uh to deal with with having a a, a book that's that big. I mean, I guess you could use it as a doorstop if you needed to, but, uh, um, but the, but you know, there's a lot to unpack and I needed the, I needed that many pages and there's a lot to unpack on these podcasts too. So, um, it's like, a you know, it gives me the opportunity if I need to go for an hour and a half on a particular topic, because there's a lot to unpack there, then, then I have the flexibility to do it. And, and luckily with the octopus book as well, because I self published that there was no way a, a traditional publisher was going to touch that book. So I self published it. And that gave me the flexibility to, to control how much content I put in there and 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 where it all went and how you know i didn't have a, an editor over my shoulder going uh, 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 cut that part out we got to make it 400 pages we can't have it you know so so i was able to uh go as deep and get as detailed as i needed to get yeah i didn't realize that that was self-published that's interesting and it's probably you know probably for the best because you would have lost oh, a yeah. lot of content if you <laughs> went to a publisher and stuff yeah so. uh but listen today we're here to talk to you or to talk to the people about your next book which is called the controlled demolition of the american empire and uh i find it very fascinating and uh you had a co-author with this so tell us a little bit about this book and we'll get into it then yeah so this book um I wrote with Jeff Berwick, who is the dollar vigilante. He's also the founder of Anarcapulco, which is the largest anarchist convention in the world that happens in Acapulco, Mexico. And when you, uh, you know, Jeff's an interesting dude. He's a, he's a Canadian who, uh, started a, a 
financial services company in Canada took it public in the late 90s was worth like a hundred the I think the company was worth 150 million dollars or something on paper dot-com crash came wiped that out um, his business partner had a nervous breakdown he took off got bought himself a, a sailboat and sailed around the world crashed in Mexico wound up staying in Mexico met a nice Mexican woman wound up marrying her and he's been there for the last 10 years he started the dollar vigilante after in in 2010 and um which focuses on you know getting into sort of the detail it's a financial services c- company as well that has newsletters and people can uh subscribe for free or people can pay to be a member and, and get the, all this information he has a really smart team of guys working for him that that are all over the world it's a it's a it's a really well-run operation and um you know, and he was he was in Bitcoin at three dollars. You know, he's just he's one of these oh, guys. That's, so when you write a book with a, a crazy uh, anarchist, uh, who, he you know Canadian an ex Canadian who lives in Mexico, who uh, when people tell you, oh, you like anarchy so much, why don't you go to Somalia? So what does he do? He gets on a plane, and goes to Somalia. You know, <laughs> hey, let's do. Oh, you think you you talk about hyperinflation, but you don't know what real hyperinflation is. If you think that, go to Venezuela. So he goes to Venezuela. You know, so oh, Epstein. You know, you guys are talking about Epstein and everything, and getting into that. Well, so what does he do? He goes with Luke Radowski. They charter a boat. Go to Epstein's the dock at Epstein's Island. Get off with video cameras and go wander the place for an hour and film everything. And so I mean, he's a maniac, but in the best way possible. So when you write a book with a guy like that, you get a totally different perspective on the world. And so it all came out of a conversation that Jeff and I had uh, in the summer of 2018 when. I was on his podcast called The Anarchast, and we were I was promoting the Octopus book, and we got done uh, with the interview. We stopped filming, but we were still t- chatting on Zoom, and um, and he made a comment about something like, you know, it's all coming down. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, like everything, like the em- the wor- the empire, the mon- monetary system, all this stuff. And I said, well, yeah, of course, it's a house of cards. And we started talking about this, and then he said, well we should write something, you know, like maybe we should write a book together. And I said, okay, um, let me think about that for a little bit. So he, he, you know, he's the type of guy who's, you know, he's serious, but he doesn't start, it doesn't start something like that unless he intends to finish it. So I went out and I said, all right, well, I, I wound up in Costa Rica and I had some time to myself and I sat there and really started to think about how we would craft this book. When he talked about it's all coming down, in my mind, that was – my mind immediately went to the way a building comes down. And of course, when I'm talking about buildings coming down, I'm, I'm thinking about Building 7 coming down. Of course, I could be thinking about like a Vegas hotel that gets you know, intentionally brought down. And so we start thinking about the way – you know, you would take down an actual building, how you would pre-weaken it and you would rig the detonators and you'd, you'd, you know, you'd sound the alarm, you'd push the plunger and all these things. And I, and I started to come up with this concept that we could explain the way the American empire was coming down in, in a controlled demolition and tie that to the way a building would come down 
in a controlled demolition and make those parallels. So this, so the main eight chapters of it, and, and, and I kind of borrowed off the format of the octopus, which is I'm talking about eight tentacles of control and in controlled demolition, I talk about the eight aspects of that as well. So we've got a rotting foundation, pre weakening of the building, identifying the support columns, rigging the detonators, who wired the building, ringing the alarm bells, pushing down the plunger, and lastly, clearing the debris. And then in each of those chapters, um, we go into a variety of different topics for each one of them. So like when you're talking about a rotting foundation, what we're really talking about are systemic issues, problems that are deep inside the country, things like, um, you know, a corrupt medical system and a corrupt media and crumbling infrastructure and things like a literal rotten, rotting foundation. So, and then we move on to pre weakening of the building. And what that is, is in a real building, if you're, if you're taking it down, um, before you blow out all the main support columns, you go through it and you try it and you pre-weaken it. So you take out the smaller support systems everywhere. Not enough for the building to fall down. The building will still stay up. But you take out all those safeguards. and th- So th- these are the things we're talking about, like policies that hurt. Things like globalization and private prisons and the role, the rise of China and things like that. So like globalization, when we think about NAFTA and these trade agreements that the U.S. got into, these are like time bombs with a 30-year fuse on them. Initially, they don't seem that bad when you outsource all of your manufacturing to China, but you just know in the back of your mind, this can't end well. And so we talk about that and we move on to things like identifying the support columns. These are the things that really need to be destroyed if you want to take this out. And it's not, it's not actual destruction. It's conceptual destruction. So it's things like destroying critical thinking and just ruining the education system, the, the, the common core education system that we have and, and in starting indiscriminate wars all over the place. So we cover a variety of topics, a lot like the octopus book. I mean, there's, there's, there's plenty to unpack here. So we just, um, you know, you take this section, I'll take that section. We're, we're going to put it all together. And, and, and we really would have had the book out, uh, like around March or April of this year, but then Corona kicked off and we were like, wait a second, hang on. This is, this is going to be very relevant. So we stopped and we waited for five months and we watched things play out. Then we, put our thoughts together and then went back in through the book and had to rewrite a lot of it and infuse the Corona, um, component into it because it, it, it goes throughout really throughout the whole, uh, book. It, it, there's ties, uh, from the coronavirus and the panic that it, 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 in, you know, fostered to, um, you know, it has, connections to all sorts of different components, the big pharma, uh, the media, the, the rise of, you know, over the top government overreach in, you know, insane politicians and things like that. Compromised doctors. I mean, we get into all of that. So, and I'm glad we waited. My biggest frustration with the book was that I wanted it to come out sooner. And now in retrospect, it came out at the perfect time and I'm so glad we put it out. We, it, it came out on, uh, um, on Friday. So we're talking about, you know, like the, the one of the last couple of days of October, it it's, it's already a number one bestseller on Amazon. We are blown away by that. It got as high as number 55 on Amazon out of 1.8 million and it's still going up. I mean, Jeez. it is, 
it is taking on like a life of its own. We, we hoped it would, we thought it could, we wished that it would, but then when it actually happened, we were like, oh my God, this is insane. You know, it's, it, it just cl- passing Obama, passing Michelle Obama, passing Barack Obama's book, catching up on 1984 on the rankings. 1984 is really highly ranked on Amazon right now, by the way, as it should be. As it should be <laughs> exactly, and and Jeff and I are like looking at the rank- rankings and going, "Dang, we, if we could pass 1984, I think we've really done something here." <laughs> so, so we'll see how it goes. But more than anything, more than anything, we discounted the price. I mean, we we knocked forty percent off of the price of where we're where we plan to sell it. So it's fifteen dollars for the paperback. It's six dollars for the Kindle right now. It won't stay that price for forever. It sh- it needs to go back to where it should be twenty five and ten, but. But for now, it's like, what's our priority? Do we want to make a bunch of money on this or do we want to w- wake up as many people as possible? Well, the money's nice, but I'd re- I'll go for waking people up and especially like getting our core audience. I don't want any sort of, I don't want there to be any barriers. I don't want people to say, well, I don't really, I don't know. Do I want to spend 25 bucks? Make it 15 bucks. Just buy, you know, get the book you won't regret it. It's filled with information. If it's something that you feel like you already know a lot of this stuff, then buy it for somebody else. Send it to your friend, the the person, your family, your mom that you can't get through to your dad that thinks you're a insane conspiracy theorist. I mean, Tony, we, we put 254 footnotes in this book. I mean, we're not just pulling this stuff out of our ass and we really sourced it. I mean, we are talking about things that we can back up and prove and it paints a picture of where we're headed as a nation. And it's, um, it's troubling, of course, because we've got a lot of problems, but, um, but the ending of it, and and I'm not spoiling anything, but I, I will say that the ending of the book, we end on a real positive note because there's with anything like this, a, a large, you know, uh, game changing, uh, situations like what we're experiencing now, there will be a lot of people that suffer and and have and go through a a tremendous amount of pain, but there will be unbelievable opportunities for some people, for the people that recognize what's coming. They position themselves to get out of the way of this tidal wave that's headed our way, this, you know, figurative tidal wave, and they move themselves to higher ground and, and are in a better position to, um, to set up shop after things, you know, after this wave comes through and things change I and mean, we're, it's, um, it's going, it's, it's an interesting time. I and mean, we we really are living through, we're living through a fascinating time. And what we're seeing is the, the tail end of this American empire. And it ends like all empires end with a bunch of people, you know, delusional people saying, how could everything have gone so wrong? And everybody else on the outside going, of course it went wrong. The signs were everywhere. You guys just ignored them. You pretended like they weren't like you, you can't believe that anything bad happened. Um, or, you know, I can't believe this empire ended. I mean, we, everything was so great. We were printing trillions of dollars of fiat currency and spreading it all over the place. And, you know, wow, I can't believe everything imploded. Of course it imploded. It has nowhere else to go, but to implode. So, so we paint this, grim picture early on backed up by facts and evidence. And then we transition towards the end into, okay, this is the reality of what's coming. Let's talk about how you can, uh, put yourself in a situation where you, you are not hurt as badly as everybody else. And in fact, you have the opportunity to thrive. Yeah. You know, uh, 
one of the things that I wanted to ask you was what you just mentioned that this wave, what is the wave do you think that is going to ultimately take out, you know, what the goal would be of the American empire? Um, we're in the middle of, you know, craziness. Now, as of right now, we're recording this on Thursday night, two days after the elections had, you know, started, I guess, or however you want to describe what we're experiencing yeah. right now. Uh, but what you said about timing, I think that you're absolutely right. There is not a better time that you could have dropped this book as right now, because it, it's it, anybody, somebody said to me on Twitter today, I, I said something on my Twitter page and my personal Twitter page is for me. It's not for the show. So I say whatever I want to say. And uh, one of the pr- people that followed me uh, said, you ever get tired of, of, of thinking of conspiracy theories? And I'm like, I, I, I'm sitting there thinking I didn't respond. It, it didn't bother me. I'm just sitting there thinking like, I'm trying to understand the mentality of somebody who's living on Thursday, November 5th, 2020, and does not see that there is an issue going on in this country, whether you're for or against Trump, for or against Biden. It is, it's, painstakingly clear to me that it doesn't matter what side you're lining up with, there are people and organizations on either side that are glaringly obvious trying to stall whatever they're trying to stall for their own benefit, which you know, people are talking about Fox News and how they dropped the ball on so many different things and stuff. It, it really seems like all roads lead to Rome at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and for the person that is asking you, do you ever get tired of, of coming up with conspiracy theories? We're not, this isn't conspiracy theory. This is conspiracy analysis. The, the it's, it's not theoretical anymore. We have been, we're, we're analyzing actual conspiracies, not making up fake ones. Uh, I don't have to, I, I mean, it could, we can go, I mean, and I love to speculate, believe me, I like that concept of like, Oh, I wonder if there's like a secret space program and, you know, are they going to, you know, they're going to the moon already and it's like secretly and everything and TR3Bs and all that. I love geeking out on that stuff. That's, that's maybe stuff. That's, wouldn't it be cool if stuff, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about analyzing actual conspiracies and really what a conspiracy is, is two or more people acting in concert to commit a crime, right? And so I would imagine that that happens 50 times a day in Washington, DC, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, this is, this is where it happens. And the people that are, that would be in, in charge of doing things like this, you're talking about high level government politicians, uh, high level people inside the military and, and, you know, high level people inside the media. Well, the, all three of those, uh, organizations are magnets for psychopaths. And the higher up you get in those organizations, the more psychopathic people you will find. So if you, if you're questioning whether or not these people might be plotting, um, I go, I just refer to Catherine Austin Fitz, the, the former deputy secretary of housing under of HUD. She, she talks about, uh, I put the quote in my octopus book. She says, uh, what most people talk about as conspiracy theory are just usually just very wealthy people making moves to protect their money. And that's, there's a lot of that going on right now. There's a lot of people protecting their power, protecting their influence, their money, uh, their access to other powerful people. So is, are we, are we making stuff up? We don't need to, we could be, I mean, there are people out there making things up. Let me be clear, 
but we don't need to. We don't need to go down those paths. If you're talking about analyzing uh, slow vote counting in um, you know, in, in this election and, and when you're seeing charts with vertical lines for the Biden camp that jump up by 100,000, it is not it doesn't make you a conspiracy theorist to ask the question about that. In fact, if you're not asking the question about it, then then you're you're probably not paying attention to what's actually going on. So there's a there's a lot there's a lot happening right now. Um, you know, everybody's a conspiracy theorist these days. It seems after the Epstein situation, right? When he was like, everyone's like, oh, did he kill himself? Did he get smuggled out? Did, he, did they, you know, what happened? What happened? Did the guards kill him? You know. Everybody was speculating. It's like, okay, well, well, welcome to our world, right? This is where we get in. We we can speculate about these things. And there's no harm in doing that. But then, if but if you're going to write a book book about it or a couple of books about it, I better have my facts straight. I better have some sort of back, you know, something to back me up on this, or else I'll get destroyed. So, so when when Jeff and I wrote this book, I mean, I it was very important for me, especially when we're talking about crazy th- things that on the surface sound insane. Uh, you know, I mean, I know that people are going to read that and go, get out of here. That's fake. So I have to put the foot, I have to direct them to the place where they can find it. Cause I want them to go, Oh my God, like that's that, that, that story sounds absolutely unbelievable. And then I went and looked it up because you put the footnote there. I looked at, and I found out it's true. Okay. If that's true, what else is true? So, so this is what you have to do when you're, when you're writing books like this, or you're, you know, you have to have your facts straight. Because you have to expect that people will be gunning for you. And when you're somebody like Jeff Berwick, who has a really high profile and people are lining up to take shots at him and, and, and knock him down, so to speak, well, you then you have to you have to be uh, extra careful with with what you're talking about and make sure that you're able to prove it and back it up or else um, you give these people ammunition to to tear you down and they will do it. So so it's a crazy time for us to be you know, to, to release this book, but I'm glad we did it at the time we did. Um, it's so relevant. People see the, you know, the cover of it, which is, uh, building seven wrapped in an American flag, you know, in the process of coming down. It, it sort of encapsulates what we're talking about. It kind of, it kind of marries a couple of things. I think a lot of people look at that book cover and go, I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause you're, I recognize that building that's building seven. We know that there was some nonsense going on with building seven and I get it. You're, you're talking about America being taken down in the same criminally dirty, uh, you know, n- not necessarily a uh, clear way that building seven came down. And, uh, the, so there's parallels there as well. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, the idea of building seven coming down was not just a, obviously we don't believe it was random, but it wasn't just a fly by the seat kind of thing. Like it was meticulously thought out and planned and there was lots of preparation involved. And that's what we're seeing with everything that's going on in front of us. Now you mentioned about, uh, um, the coronavirus and how you guys pumped the brakes when that happened. Now we see how the coronavirus led to the idea of the mail-in ballots and, and yep. what now what we're dealing with. Back then, when you saw the coronavirus happen, did you think that, uh, did you have any ideas where this was going as to why you wanted to pump the brakes in the book? Or did you just feel like this is so big that they're bound to use it as something? That Well, that was it. It was the second part was that it was, you, you got the feeling. So we, it sounded to me 
a whole lot like terrorism, this invisible enemy that nobody can see, but it's constantly on the nightly news and everybody has to be afraid of it. And once the virus situation rolled out and everyone was fearful and the media starts to ramp that up, uh, and I'm not trying to say there isn't a virus. I'm just trying to say that I don't think that it, I don't think that it, it's proportionate to the amount of fear that was instilled or the, you know, the charts that we saw and everything. But we knew right then this is <clears throat> this is going to be used every sort of maniacal idea that these people have ever had these deep state scumbags anything that they'd ever fantasized about rolling out onto the american public that they knew would never work that they knew that america would never accept they now went back and revisited those those concepts and thought, well, what if we were to do that, but under the guise of, you know, protecting you from a virus? What if we or what if we had the oh, let's, you know, that surveillance program that we always wanted to implement? We could do it now, but we could call it contact tracing, wouldn't that? And then we could say, it's not we're not following you. We're following where the virus went. I mean, we're yeah, you were in you know, close contact with people that had the virus. And so we want to know where, you know, where you, where you went after that, because it's about the virus. It's not about the virus. It's about you. It's about following you. It's about knowing everything there is to know about you. And of course, when you put people in a sense, a state of fear, then you put them into a low vibrational state where they are making short-term decisions fight or flight, you know, how do I get through this next day? How do I get through the week? They're not thinking four years out, 40 years out, anything like they, they can't, you know, they're, they're focused on what, so people make really bad decisions when they're fearful. That's why the media wants to keep everybody fearful. So they ramp this up and up and up and up. And then, um, we thought we knew where it was going. Then it kind of died down a little bit in the summer and I was saying to Jeff, God, you know, I go out and every, I go out here in, in Denver and I don't really see much. It seems like it's kind of like petered out. Like there's not, not all that many people, you know, I, I don't, I don't see it. It's, it's sort of tailing off. People are going back about their business. Stores are opening up, going to the grocery store. Everything's fine. Toilet paper's there, you know, all, all that. And then it changed during the summer. All of a sudden, mask mandates. And it was like, I said, you know what? This is them making a visual representation of an invisible virus, an invisible thing that you can't see and can't be afraid of because you, you don't see it. Now they've found a way to visualize that in the form of a mask. Now, when you go in the grocery store and everybody's got a mask on, it's impossible for you to think that things are back to normal because everybody is wearing masks. And that of course is not normal. So I was like, this is very sneaky. They've, they've watched the numbers tail off. They've watched the, the cases go, you know, all the deaths go down. And then as soon as they started with the mask, they changed the narrative and started with cases, not deaths, but cases. And then boom, the cases go up and it's like, oh, well, we're, you know, the cases are exploding. Well, of course they're exploding. Now you're testing more people. doesn't mean that necessarily, I mean, I don't care how many cases there are. I care how many deaths there are. My mother-in-law got coronavirus three weeks ago. She was sick for uh, 10 days. She's fine now. She, you know, she's 75 years old. She's great. She's, she's in, in great shape. It, it was not the death sentence 
that we made it out, you know, that the media made it out to be. It's just another example of the media just lying and lying and lying and making a big deal out of things, a bigger deal out of things than they should be. And I'm not trying to discount if, if somebody's died from this, you know, it's, it's terrible, but, but let's, let's be objective about this. And the, and the, the numbers of deaths do not match. It's not the black plague. It's just not. And the media wants it to be. That's the part that made us crazy. So, so we took this extra couple months to, to see how things were going to play out. And then we watched the lockdowns go back in and, and all that. And we said, okay, we've seen enough. We can, we, you know, we can, we can figure out where this is going. You see Bill Gates talk about, well, Wait till the second wave. That'll get your attention. It's like, <laughs> okay, you you know something we don't know uh, clearly. So we we were able to infuse that back in, and I think it makes sense because people can relate to the the corona situation because it's so fresh. You know, they know they know what they see there, but what they don't remember, uh, where we had to take them back to, were the things like. Um, you know how this Corona situation kind of came out of nowhere. Well, let's talk about event 201 that happened in October of 2019. And I think you and I have discussed this before. So we, we mentioned that, but let, let's take it even back, back even further to, uh, dark winter, a, a term that Joe Biden threw around, you know, dark winter is, is not just a random term that that crazy old man, you know, pulled out of his ass to, to, to use on national TV it refers to a very specific thing. And what it refers to is a simulation that the United States government ran in the summer of 2001 that simulated anthrax attacks on the mainstream media and on Congress by Iraq and um, uh, and Saddam Hussein. And in this simulation, they sent the virus, the simulation, part. They sent the virus to a, a reporter named Judith Miller and Judith Miller in the simulation opens, you know, the letter and gets this anthrax and, oh, isn't this crazy? She works for the mainstream media and, and, and isn't this nuts? Fast forward a couple months when the actual anthrax attacks, attacks happen and they get sent out Tom Daschle and all these guys in Congress. Guess who gets a, gets who, uh, guess who gets a letter in real life? Judith Miller. What a surprise, right? What a coincidence that they role played it with her and then she actually got anthrax sent to her. Now, of course, it tur- turned out that it was it wasn't anthrax. It was just a white powder, but they said it was anthrax and she was she was safe and fine and everything. So we go into the history of this stuff. And th- these are the things that people forget. I mean, this is 20 years ago. So they're not really thinking about um other simulations, you know, that, that, well, that I, happened. I, th- I think that it's not even that they're forgetting it, Charlie. I, I think that they didn't know about it because they didn't know it t- in that 20 year span. We've had what a technology boom where we have access to all this information we never had access to, which is leading to a lot of the civil unrest that we're dealing with. One of the things I, I said to my wife just today, I said, you know, one thing that's incredible about this whole situation we find ourselves in is that I don't care if you're on the left, right or whatever. Every single American person in this country is worried and scared of what is coming with civil unrest. That's yep. all they can visually identify it as because they've seen it all year. But it, they, they see there is a wave, like you mentioned, coming, and they don't know how to identify it other than civil unrest. But it's so much bigger and scarier than that. And I'll, I'll take this moment right now to talk about the idea of safety and security with the audience. We do have a sponsor for this week's show. It's Simply Safe. And Simply Safe, I've talked about it on the show before. Charlie, have, do you have some? Safe, by the way? No. Okay. I have Simply Safe on my on my house. I've had it for years. 
I absolutely love it because it's so easy to install on the house. It's something that I was able to do while my wife was actually out at the store. When she came home, it was all done. You have dispatch set up to it. It's an absolutely great product for people who aren't tech savvy and also don't want to spend a ton of money because it's 15 bucks a month and you're set to go. It's absolutely a great product. And in these times with uh, the civil unrest that we're dealing with, I, I think that, like I said, I think everybody's worried about the civil unrest. It's it's real. And you don't know if it's going to be contained to the big cities. That's another thing we saw and heard about in this past this past year and stuff, Charlie, with this the all the rides and stuff. One of the things we heard is what? That they were saying, we're going to take it to the suburbs. We're going to take it to the suburbs. Well, guess what? I'm in the suburbs and most of the audience is probably living in the suburbs and they're worried about what could happen. Well, uh, it may not be a massive crowd going down your street, but it might be some people just looking to create trouble. And in that case, something like home security could definitely be helpful for you to protect your house and your family. It's huge. Protect your family. If you're not home and the kids are home by themselves, I I, I, I don't listen. I don't have teenagers at home, but I have little kids. I would never let my guns lay around the house. Right. So but if the kids are at home by themselves and you're not there to protect them, Simply Safe is there to do the job. So right now, my listeners get a free home security camera when you purchase a Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash confessionals. You also get a 60 day risk free trial. So there's nothing to lose. Visit simplysafe.com slash confessionals for your free security camera today. That's simplysafe.com slash confessionals. We got the business and paying the bills out of the way, Charlie. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for that, brother. Hey, but I'll tell you what, if 2020 isn't the best advertisement for something like that, I don't know what is. I mean, yeah. what are you going to do? Are you going to wait till the last minute to prepare for what's coming, whether it be home security system or 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 getting yourself food and, and batteries and, and for what's coming? I mean, you'd rather be, I'd rather be a month early than a day late on this stuff. So, yeah. you know, and what good is it to do? What what good is it if we know all of this stuff, we see where things are going, we look at patterns, we see what's happened in the past, we extrapolate where things are going in the future. We do all this work. I mean, people that listen to my show, the people that listen to your show are aware we're, we're paying attention. We see what's coming to not take that additional next step is insane. I mean, it's like, what's the point of knowing all this stuff if you aren't going to actually use it? So I, yeah. I mean, I would get, I would get yourself prepared. And, 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 and one of the things just, uh, just to follow up on, on what we were talking about with this dark winter simulation that we put in the book, I mean, for people just to maybe hammer this home as to how insane these things are and how also real they are, um, the people that were running that dark winter simulation, uh, Thomas Inglesby and Tara O'Toole are the same people that ran event 201. They're both involved in this. Okay. Drills, simulating events that wind up going live as a human being. One of the great things that one of the things that we are just innately gifted with is pattern recognition. We're just good at that. We're good at spotting faces that, you know, and we're good at pattern recognition and we're seeing the same pattern over and over again, drills, simulating events that later wind up going live almost the same way. So when we point these things out, it, whether it be in the book or on podcasts or just talking or talking to people, you know, initially the first time you hear about this stuff, it sounds crazy. And, and, and they go, you got, you guys stop talking about it. It's like, hang on a second. If you kept seeing the same pattern over and over and over again, 
at what point would you at least trust that maybe this is something that you can come to expect? I mean, when you've, uh, so I, I get freaked out a little bit when I, I, I read about these simulations that we've experienced. We talk about dark winter. We talk about nine 11. We talk about seven, seven. We talk about, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these, uh, events that the seven, seven bombing and, and a lot of this stuff was, they were running drills simulating the exact event while it happened, you know, it's, which is like a mathematical impossibility. So you get to this Corona situation that we're all living through and people are like, I don't know if it's real. I don't know if it's this serious. I don't know if it's all true. I don't know if none of it's true. It's like, okay, let's do this at least. Let's look at the fact that there was a simulation event 201 a couple of months before it broke out that simulated almost identically what we wound up happening. This is yet another example of drills going live. Now, could it be coincidence? Sure, it could be coincidence. It's not very likely, but it could be that that these that Bill Gates and and uh, the World Economic Forum simulated the outbreak of a coronavirus six months in advance, and then it just magically happened that way. That's possible. But then when you see the World Economic Forum this year talking about the Great Reset and the Fourth Industrial Revolution and all of these concepts, then you go. Then you go. What are what are they talking about? You read their work, and what what you un, what you come to understand is that in order for this Great Reset to happen, that they're pushing, society needs to be destroyed in advance. And it's like, oh, looks like you guys have done a pretty good job of doing that over the last couple of months of this, you know, of this of 2020. So you run a simulation, simulating the outbreak. The, the World Economic Forum and the Bill Gates Foundation run a, a simulation. Uh, about an outbreak of a coronavirus that winds up happening exactly like they said it would. And then on the heels of that, the World Economic Forum is going, hey, guess what? Guess what? We have time for the, you know, we're ready for the Great Reset, which is virtual reality, um, artificial intelligence, 5G, uh, quantum computing, uh, mandatory vaccines, uh, universal basic income, self-driving cars, all this tech stuff, tech the tech takeover of the world. But in order for that to happen, the current paradigm of society needs to be destroyed. Small businesses have to go. Medium-sized businesses probably have to go too. Our relationship with cash is over. You know, all of these things are, are, are transition into the mandatory vaccine idea, which had always been like, a pipe dream of big pharma. Now they have the possibility of making that real with operation warp speed that Trump is talking about rolling out, which is extremely dangerous and has not just big pharma, but the military is involved in that. The military industrial complex is involved in that. So they're setting the stage for this. They, they it, it is the epitome of problem reaction solution problem oh no, there's a virus. It's going to kill everybody. Reaction. We've got to get a vaccine. Let's fast track a vaccine. Let's lock everybody in their houses. You know, that that's the, the reaction is everybody's going to die. The solution is, well, here we go. Here is the vaccine. Here's the new world. Here's the new world order. You get Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, that Beetlejuice looking maniac talking about <laughs> 
pledging allegiance to the new world order. She said it in a speech. Everyone was like, what it's on are video. you talking about? You know? And so it's like, they're tipping their hands. Some of these people are, are better at it than others. Lori Lightfoot is not very good at, at keeping the plan secret. So we, we're just pointing these things out. We're, 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 we're going back, you know, 20 years to, to dark winter and, and crimson contagion and, 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 lockstep and these simulations that have been run by the Rockefeller Institute that are that are simulating the breakdown of society and all of these things and what wh- when did what did they all pick as the date for all this that to happen in uh, in lockstep they picked this and then uh, um, a- another simulation that the United Nations ran back in the 70s they all picked the same year for it to start 2020 unbelievable it's, it's unbelievable you know Charlie it really kind of it, it, it really irks me because uh what i see and this is something i've been saying all year really when this stuff started happening um i i started seeing because when it, when coronavirus first hit i was looking at it from the china perspective which I, I was following it since early january late december i was following this mysterious thing that was happening and i would talk about it people at work and stuff and they're like shut up what are you talking about and and so I was really worried because of what we were seeing, especially as time went on, we saw what was coming out of China. And if people that are listening, remember, I did a show on the coronavirus when it first came out and I went off for like 45 minutes about how serious this is. And it was serious, but just not in the sense that I was saying it was serious because right. uh, I want to ask you, Vent 201 starts last year. Mm-hmm. Was this like a domino effect, do you think, leading up to what we're, we got here where it was all organized and planned because of the ultimate goal of taking down the American empire? Uh, and I say that because and I know that kind of touches a lot of people's nerves when I talk about these kind of things. But uh, like I said, I've been saying all year, we have, and I know you mentioned this in the book too about safe spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have been over the last 20 years of our society been conditioned for this idea of space of safe space back in the mid 2000s when i first got married i remember it was real big back then your truth is your truth my truth is my truth don't tell me your truth because it might offend me and they got everybody scared to talk to each other and when you get everybody scared to talk to each other mix that in with the education system that we have and then also uh those two things combined then lead to what people not being able to critically think for themselves and yeah. and it could because how do we learn how to think and critically think together is because we converse and we talk to each other openly without worrying about if i'm going to offend you charlie and you're not worried about yeah. offending me i'm going to say my ideas and you say your ideas and that's how we grow and sharpen each other and they didn't want that because no. it, it, when you it, it, an intelligent society would would have stopped this a long time ago they want yeah absolutely they want you they want you not communicating with people uh they want you they want to polarize everybody they love donald trump the 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 meat the deep state the media all these different institutions they love donald trump because he divides people he's very divisive and they like that they want you divided into red team versus blue team on that they want you divided into vaccine versus anti-vaccine they want you divided into masks or no masks they want you divided on everything trans rights no trans i mean whatever if there's a if there's an issue, they want it divisive. They want you to feel like it's the end of the world, no matter you know, like it's the most important decision ever. And they and they've conditioned people, like you said, w- through college, um, through the college system, to to say, well, 
if you didn't like the results of the 2016 election and it made you feel all icky inside, well, you can come to our safe space and then you can cry and have, you know, and have a blanket and you can, you know, you can suck your thumb in the corner. And, th- and this is this this is supposed to help. Every, it, of course, it's not supposed to help anybody. It, it creates helpless people. And helpless people are very dependent on the government. Uh, they're dependent on somebody telling them what to do. So it, it destroys a sense of like uh, – it's a sense of self. It, it destroys your confidence. It makes you view other people as the, the enemy. We all have so much more in common than we have uh, apart. We're, we're so much better off together as a gigantic group of Americans or as people, human beings really, than we are – divided into these little camps but that's the that's the trick that you have to use when you are the with the few controlling the many you can't beat them you know the 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 few can't control the many um one on i mean in terms of numbers because we've got them outnumbered a million to one but they can control us by getting us to fight with each other and and to, to think that that guy over there is the enemy not looking up, which is where these rulers are, where the controllers really are, that they're up there laughing at us. I mean, they've got us wearing masks. They've got us fighting with each other. They've got us, you know, drop, they're dropping off pallets of bricks for us to throw through windows and everything. I mean, it's organized. It's, it's not accidental. And it's, and you know, this is part of the agenda. You, you were talking about Corona uh, early on and say in January, uh, talking about how dangerous it is. You were right. You just didn't know how right you were. It is dangerous. It's dangerous because it is, it is the tool that is going to be used for a very long time. It's, it's perfect cover. You can't see it. You can extrapolate that everybody else has it, but they're not going to show signs of it. They might get sick two weeks from now. it's like it's impossible how can you even operate in that well i have to do contract tracing to see where you've been over the last two weeks oh really you want to you want to do that and then what are you going to do go knock on everybody's door that i came in contact with yeah that's what they they're doing it in australia they're talking about doing it in the uk this is where it's going it it's part of an agenda and you can look at china speaking of china you talk about it's coming from china there's there's some other things that are coming from china too and we touch on this in the book the social credit system is a huge component of Absolutely. this, and you can feel the social credit system in the corona narrative can already. You, can you explain the the social credit system yeah. to the audience? Yeah. Okay. So here's here's the best explanation of it from China. A, a city called Shenzhen, China, already has this program in place. It's not theoretical; it's operational. So you're a guy in. China that is going to get on a bus and you're smoking a cigarette. This is the example I use because it makes the most sense. You're smoking a cigarette. You get on that bus. You're still smoking your cigarette. There's a facial recognition camera in that bus, probably multiple of them. I'm not talking about CCTV cameras. I'm talking about facial recognition. There's a different, different thing. There's 300 million of them already in China. So you're on this bus, you're smoking the cigarette, which you're not allowed to do. Camera picks up your face, feeds it into the database. Database matches it to who you are. By the time this smoker guy gets off the off the bus and walking around the corner, his cell phone pings and says, you have been caught uh, smoking on this bus. We've identified that it's you. We have fined you $15, let's say, and that has already been deducted out of your Weibo account, which is like a PayPal. Uh, they do a lot of things with QR codes in China. So it's similar to that. Um, so you're going to 
get off this bus, the smoker guy, and you have been fined already. You, there's, you have no say in this. Now, that gets tied into that smoker guy's social credit score, which goes down. So think of it like a credit score. Your, 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 your own actual credit score goes up. You pay your bills on time. Your, your score goes up. You, you, uh, you file bankruptcy. Your score goes way down. You skip out on your electric bill. Your score goes down a little bit. It, but it's constantly moving. The social credit system in China does that. So this guy, the smoker guy, his score goes down a little bit because he just got fined by, by getting off the bus because he was smoking. He gets a phone call from a buddy of his, a, a, a good guy, and they talk for a little while. Now that guy's social credit score goes down because he made a phone call to the smoker. So just because the smoker score goes down, it now anybody that touches that smoker, their score goes down too. So now you have a whole new layer of, of, of censorship or you have people saying, God, you know, I can't talk to that guy. I mean, I love him, but I can't talk to that, my friend anymore because he just, it just destroys my social credit score. Now, now that's, if it's, if it was just that, and it was like your Facebook ranking, you could deal with that, but that's not where it ends. Where it ends is that the smoker guy, if his score gets too low, he can't get on an airplane. He can't get on a train. They won't let him. He can't. They can't sell him a ticket because his score is too low. And and consequentially, the guy that has a higher score, his score uh, as it, you know as it's going up. Now all of a sudden, he gets discounts on things that he might want. If he goes to uh, rent a car, he he might get a discounted rate on that car. If he goes to the grocery store, uh, some of the items there are going to be on sale. You know, like that that shopper card you get at, at the grocery store and you can scan it and, and you buy enough stuff. And then the, if, if that store is tied to say a gas station, you're like, Oh, we'll swipe this card when you're getting gas and, and it'll give you like four cents off of each gallon of gas. You're like, Oh, cool. It's kind of like that. You get bonuses and benefits from having your social credit score high and you get them. It's low if, if, if you're, if you're doing things that go against society. So now, now take that and, and move that to the United States with what we, which is of course where the United States government wants us to go. So now you're a guy that's not wearing your mask and the facial recognition cameras catch you and they know exactly who you are because you're not wearing your mask and you're socially distant. You know, you, they want you so six feet away so that the facial recognition cameras can pick you up, you know, without getting your buddy next to you. So you, you're not wearing your mask. And your score goes down. Now they make vaccines not mandatory. They're not going to make it mandatory. They're just going to say that if you don't get it, your score will go down. If you don't get it, you might not even be able to allow, allowed to get on the plane uh, just because of that. But it'll all be tied into this algorithm, this AI that's managing this social credit system. So everything it's a black mirror episode i mean it's literally a black mirror episode they did an episode about this and it's like oh that's crazy it's all in the future uh-uh it's happening if you're in china it's happening now it's been exported already to ecuador uh it's it's in the process of being exported around the world this is the plant and once this goes in man we're in trouble do you think now regarding the black mirror episode and the idea of black mirror itself because so much stuff in the black mirror shows really are happening and come true do you think that that show itself is rolled out to test how the reaction is from the public so they know how to t tweak it and better design it to roll it out for real it could be it, it, it could be but it could also be like if 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 i got hired to be a writer on black mirror i 
I could write the, I, I mean, not, I could, I could write those types of episodes as well because all I would freak. have to do. What's that? <laughs> You're a sick freak, my man. <laughs> uh, well, well, yeah, exactly. Because you just, you just look at DARPA and you look at Boston Dynamics and these companies and, uh, you know, it, there's an episode in Black Mirror where there's the robot dog that ro- wanders around look, you know, going through the warehouse looking for these people. That's straight up. That's Boston Dynamics. They're already building Absolutely. those things. So like you don't have to you don't have to look, you know, you don't have to look too far into the future to see some of this technology. So it could be pre, you know, predictive programming where they're softening people up. But if I was if somebody said, we want you to write a new show and it's kind of about a dystopian future, I could write about those similar things just by looking at where we currently are and look at some of the, the writings of, um, you know, you go to like activist post and, and, and sites like that, they'll, they'll talk about this encroaching surveillance system and, and the technocratic takeover. And if I know, and I know about companies like Palantir that's doing these data dumps for the FBI and the CIA and all this stuff. So, so if you understand the technology component of this, you can sort of see where it's headed. And, and if you're, if you're a conspiracy theorist like me, then you, you just let your mind wander and you go, you just say, all right, well, if I was a maniac governmental official or some technocratic, uh, weirdo who wanted to control society, what would I do? Oh, well, I would do this and I could do that. And the social credit system makes a whole lot of sense because you see social media, you see a credit system, you see that the government likes to kind of rate people. They're kind of secretly rating you in their mind anyway, as to how difficult you are and you you hear these stories about in 2015 jade helm these concentration camps that were being built inside of walmarts and stuff like that and whether or not that stuff is true or not there's always a bit of you know whether it's a hundred percent true or not i don't know but but there's always a bit of truth in that and and so part of that is like well that sounds like conspiracy theory and then you dig back and you go well walmart did sign a, a an agreement with the government to be used as FEMA camps in, in the event of mass, you know, panic and and stuff. So it's like, it's not totally out of the realm of possibility. So, you know, we're, we're, we get prime, we get primed for some of this stuff through the media, through, uh, movies, television shows and things like that. Uh, and some of that is predictive programming just to soften us up so that we'll accept it. But also some of it is just writers that are like this would be a cool story to write about too so there's a little bit of both but i think that with black mirror um i i think that they're using that show more as a warning to us i get that feeling i don't know if it's i don't know if i'm right i hope i'm right i hope it's it's being done as a warning not as like hey doesn't this look well because i don't (laughs) think it i think it's a warning because they never paint the picture of of like isn't this great? Isn't society wonderful? 15, 20 years in the future. It's always like, Oh my God, (laughs) this is where this, this is where this technology could go. This is where all of this stuff could go. And so it, it forces you to think about, you know, our relationship with, with technology and is it good? I mean, it's great. You and I are having this conversation through our computers, you know, uh, through, you know, and it's amazing that we can do that. So it's, so is all of this, new technology bad well i i would suggest it's like 
a gun, right? It depends on whose hands it's in, right? It, it, the gun itself is not bad, but if a bad guy has one, then it can be used for bad things. And this technology, uh, unfortunately, the people that are in, in charge of it are the worst types of people. It's the governmental officials and 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 technocratic billionaires that have um, deep state ties and things like that, and and and. InQtel, which is the CIA's venture capital company, uh, they're involved in a lot of this and DARPA and and you know and you're like, ugh, like all of this cool new technology that could be used to take us into a into a great reset that the World Economic Forum is talking about into a legitimate you know great reset that is beneficial for humanity. It's all there for us, except that it's in the hands of the wrong people. So, um, so. So we'll see, we'll see where things shake out. I mean, it's not, I'll tell you what, it's not over yet. I mean, we can still get a handle on this, but I think we need to be very careful about what we're being set up for and what direction this, um, this social credit system and every, all that things that feed into that vaccines and, and compliance and paying your taxes on time and, and, you know, everything that gets fed into this system, like what it's going to, it's painting a picture of you. It's making a voodoo doll of you, really uh, a digital voodoo doll that they can then stick pins in at any time and uh, affect you. Yeah, that's a really great analogy. And when we're talking about the social credit system, I, I had this thought and I wanted to run it by you because it's just completely random, but I don't know if it makes sense what your thought, the thoughts are on it. Uh, it seems like the social credit system is designing and creating a new uh, system or classes of people according to your social credit system. So, you know, instead of the upper class, middle class, lower class, we have it all according to your social ranking. And the fact that they have that in China now they didn't what what came before their social credit system though communism socialistic communism and what are we seeing moving into our country now socialism some would say it's yeah. communism and even the idea that i just heard uh, i think it was last week uh um uh, biden if he wins the presidency has talked about putting bernie sanders in as secretary of labor so right. i mean it's clearly moving in that direction, which means to me that they would have to, they, they're trying to wipe the slate clean of these classes we have so they can introduce such things as, you know, social credit systems. Yeah. Could you imagine you make res- make reservations to go to dinner to a decent restaurant and you get there and you have to scan your phone in order to get in and they go, oh, so sorry. This is, this is, uh, five rating and up. Sorry, you're a four. Yeah. And we're just not going to be allowed. So there you go. It's created a two tiered system where the, where some people can get, I mean, right now we, it's not to say that we don't have that already. We have the rich and the poor and things like that. So it's like, not everybody has access to everything because they don't all have the money. But, but, but in this particular case, I could foresee a, a scenario where it's like, you have to have a certain score in order to do certain things. And if your score falls below that, well, then you have to go over there to, to the proverbial kids table and eat, you know what I mean? You're, you're not allowed to sit with the adults cause your score is too low. You're not allowed in this restaurant. You're not allowed in this city. You're not allowed to buy a house here. I mean, just think of where all this could go. Well, Hey, do you see the neighbor? Yeah. The neighbor, neighbor moved in, but his score is so low. Like, Oh, we got to get a sign a petition to get this guy out of here. He's going to bring everybody down. It, it becomes this peer pressure. What do you think and, about, and, you mentioned about cities and, and all that stuff. Uh, what do you think about this idea that what we saw happening this year, and, and again, folks, 
everything that we're talking about right now is covered in some form or way in this book. It, it This is a very multifaceted book. And if you disagree with Charlie, if you disagree with me, but specifically Charlie, go ahead and buy his book and see how, how it lays out and prove him wrong, you know? But look at the sources that he puts footnotes in. Um, so with these these cities that we saw happening over the summer, New York, Chicago, like just mayors letting the cities get decimated. I, I have this feeling, I have this thought that they wanted their cities to be destroyed to, again, like the term I just said a few minutes ago, wipe the slate clean to allow themselves to do what? Something that China does, smart cities, social credit yeah. systems. And the only people who live in these cities were the ones who couldn't afford to move out, the poor people. And what happens all the time in society, governments throughout the world, the poor people have no voice. They have no say in what happens. What do you think about yeah. that idea? I think it's I think it's valid. I think it's it's turning the cities into the projects. They they talk about this in Agenda 2030. They talk about the smart cities concept about moving people into micro apartments, like 150 square foot tiny apartments in the cities that everything is controlled. Self driving cars, 5G. Um, universal basic income. Think about universal basic income for a minute. We've, this is a concept that was foreign to us until, you know, for a year ago, Andrew Yang's talking about it on January 1st of 2021. Everybody is going to get a federal reserve digital crypto wallet. Most people don't know that Wait, they're so going to get that. When, for, when is that for, coming again? January 1st, 2021. Yep. I didn't. Everybody's get a, fed, a Federal Reserve digital crypto wallet for the Federal Reserve coin that they want to put out. Now, talk about a social credit system. Your universal basic income, which is free money the government is going to give you because they want you to be able to live because your job, you know, got handed over to a robot or so. Um, in order to collect your universal basic income, which won't come in the form of a U.S. dollar, but it'll be in Federal Reserve coins, which will be a different tier of currency. Um, you have to be compliant. If you want your food stamp, your EBT card, right? You can't use that to buy drug, you know, alcohol or cigarettes or things like that. Certain restrictions on it. Your UBI will be the same thing. You want that money? You got to have, you got to be up to date on your vaccines. You got to have your social credit score high. I mean, this is where it's headed. And so it's the carrot and the stick. We're going to, Think about that. So the the government is going to give you free money for what? Th there's got to be a catch. Of course, there's a catch. You have to be compliant with them in order to get, you know, in order to get their money. So that concept has been rolled out recently. We're starting to see uh, over the course of 2020 that this coronavirus has made been more about not about science but about compliance so they're already priming us for for becoming very compliant and docile and doing exactly what we're told to do out of fear you know and and, and then as the the new systems roll in social credit that'll be fear-based as well uh, tied into universal basic income and and then the and then they'll pack everybody into the big cities and like you said they, they they've cleared out all of the anybody that can get out I shouldn't say anybody but a lot of people that have the financial resources to get out of the big cities, um, they're trying to do that. They either have done it already or they're giving it very serious thought. And I don't think any of that is accidental. And uh, and I lived in L.A. for a long, long time, and it is unrecognizable these days. Tent cities everywhere. It is a mess. And that comes from 
authoritarian, uh, mostly Democrat. I'm not on the Democratic side or the Republican side, just to be fair. So when I'm when I'm, you know, going after one side, I'm, it's not to say I'm on the other side, but the, it there is a common denominator here and it is democratic controlled states. It is governors like Gavin Newsom and Whitmer and all these people that are out of their minds. They are authoritarian dictator psychopaths. And we're seeing it unfold right before Portland, Seattle, San Francisco, Minneapolis. They've all got something in common. They're all being run by Democrats and they're all having the most the most uh, incongruent reaction to rioting that I've ever seen, which is don't send the cops in. It's not a riot. It's a protest. Everything's fine. You look at CHOP or Chaz or whatever it was in, in Seattle. Um, they're going, oh, no, 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 no. This is fine. This It's an autonomous zone. We're just going to – everything's fine in there. It's it, – you know, the, the governor and the mayor and everything are – and you're just going, I'm so – did I wake up on another planet? What is what is happening here? How is this okay? What is going on? And I think that they have been promised something. I think that they have absolutely all been promised something. A I seat agree. at the table in the new world order. Yes. They are proving themselves. Lori Lightfoot, like I said before, gave it away. She gave up the game when she talked about we all have to pledge our uh, you know our support to the new world order. No, we don't. Okay, you're going to get hung at some point. These mayor, these governors are going to there will be a day of reckoning for them if the people ever wake up to what's really going on and there will be gallows for them. Uh, and I'm not advocating for that. I'm not saying that that, you know, we should do that. I'm just saying that that this is what happens when you push very you push a large group of people, you create fear and panic and desperation. You in, impede their health. You destroy their jobs. You destroy their homes, their families. They're not allowed to communicate with each other. They're not allowed to look at each other's face. They can't go to grandma's house for Thanksgiving. What do you think is going to happen? People are going to freak out and they want that. Because when everybody's destabilized, it makes it a whole lot easier for them to just roll out this authoritarian program because people are short-term thinking about their immediate safety and they're not planning long-term. They're certainly not reading books that the Club of Rome wrote 50 years ago, laying out this whole plan. They're not reading about the United Nations. They don't know who the World Economic Forum is. All this information is there if you want it. And we tried to compile it in the book, but we're not the only source of this, to be fair. A lot of people are talking about these things. So it's like, get yourself educated on this to understand what's coming. Because if you don't know the backstory, all this stuff is going to seem totally disjointed to you, like random occurrences. But I assure you, they are not random. They are connected. This is an agenda. This is the controlled demolition of the American empire because the new world order cannot put their one world plan, their one world government plan into place as long as there is an existing superpower. They destroyed the Soviet Union in 1991 using much of the same tactics that they're using on the American empire right now. And I'm not trying to say that America itself is going to go away, but the American empire is. And that is thousand military bases all around the world. The petrodollar, the U.S. dollar is the world's reserve currency. All of you know our relationship with all these countries where we've been threatening them and extorting them for all these years, all that stuff can go away real fast. And I would say that the, the United States' behavior 
over the past 50 years around the world has been reprehensible. And there are plenty of countries that are on board with us getting knocked down a couple pegs. So we're not going to have the sort of support that we imagine that we're going to have around the world when, when our empire is destroyed and it, and the, the detonators have been rigged it, this thing is coming down. We're not going to get much sympathy from the rest of the planet because of the behavior of our government and the starting of indiscriminate wars and the gaslighting of people and the sanctions that we've slapped on people and the, what we've done in Yemen, you know, it just goes, it's just endless that the amount of pain and suffering that the U S has, has fomented on the, on the world. And, and, and there is a price to pay for that at some point. So look, I'm an American. I love this country. I take no pleasure in this analysis of it. I wish that I saw everything getting a whole lot better. I just don't. I don't right now because I don't see enough people awake to this reality. But I will tell you the good news is that because of what we've experienced in 2020 with corona and this election and all this stuff – I think a lot of people are waking up to the reality that maybe we're being lied to by the media. Maybe we're being lied to by the government. Maybe their version of reality isn't really what what we're experiencing. There's and, and that is the first step is for people to to feel that they're that there's a big con job being being perpetrated on us. And then from there you can wake up and then start to change things. So I, I, like I said, I take no pleasure in this analysis, but, but this is what I'm, I'm trying to be honest and objective about what we see coming. And I see pain coming and I, I wish I didn't. And I don't think we can stop it all, but we can certainly sound the alarm bells. We can talk to our friends and family. We can explain what we see coming. We look at history, what we see in the present and where it's going in the future. And we can move ourselves to higher ground so that once this whole thing happens, we are in a much better position to build ourselves back, our families' lives back. We might even be able to capitalize and profit from this. Um, But most importantly, just keep yourself safe. That is the most important thing. I couldn't agree with you more. It just seems like the end game for them is a dystopian society of global loss of freedom, no retreat to anywhere. And from what it sounds like to you, there's a lot of pain coming, but through education and understanding, we might be able to stop some of this that they're trying to pull off. And the best spot to start if you're new to all this and you're really trying to get your teeth into it, is check out Charlie's book, The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire. Charlie, they can get it on Amazon. Is that the only place they can get it right now? Yeah, that's the only place right now. We've got the uh, paperback and Kindle version there. Uh, we're working on the audiobook as we speak. We've got people uh, getting to work on that. That'll probably be two months away, though. It takes a little while to get that done, but we we've got that for our uh, you know for our people, our our listeners that are busy and on the go, or maybe illiterate. I don't know. Either yeah. way, I don't care. Whatever. Like, like truck <laughs> drivers like me, to... right? So I mean, <laughs> it's it's easy to uh, listen to an audiobook while you're driving around all day. So. Uh, Anyways, Charlie, thanks for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure and you dropped a lot of information. I really hope people go and check out your book. Uh, I'm really excited about sinking my teeth into it. And remember, remember, folks, this book is climbing on the charts on Amazon. It doesn't do that by accident. It doesn't do it because Charlie wrote it in his basement and put it out last week and it just happened to magically do that. This is a book that people are reading because it's substantial, has lots of information, and it's true. Charlie, thanks for being here, man. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Tony. 
Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. I don't care where you share a show or how you share the show. Just share the show if you enjoyed it, because that's the best thing you can do to help the show grow is just share it around with your friends, family. I don't care who you share it with. Just share the show. And before we get out of here this week, I want to let you know that we do have a store section on the website and we do have some new merchandise on there. If you look behind me, if you're watching the video right now, we do have a zip up hoodie now of the confessionals on the website. So all you got to do is go to confessionalspodcast.com, hit the store page and you'll see all the merchandise there, including the new zip-up hoodie. Until next week, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Bye. A person who thinks all the time has nothing to think about except thoughts. So, he loses touch with reality and lives in a world of illusions. By thoughts, I mean specifically chatter in the skull, perpetual and compulsive repetition of words, of reckoning and calculating. I'm not saying that thinking is bad. Like everything else, it's useful in moderation. A good servant, but a bad master. And all so-called civilized peoples have increasingly become crazy and self-destructive because through excessive thinking they have lost touch with reality. That's to say, we confuse science with the real world. would have rather money than tangible wealth and a great occasion is somehow spoiled for us unless photographed and to read about it the next day in the newspaper is oddly more fun for us than the original event this is a disaster for as a result of confusing the real world of nature with mere signs, we are destroying nature. We are so tied up in our minds that we've lost our senses. Time to wake up. What is reality? Obviously, no one can say because it isn't words. It isn't material, that's just an idea. Reality is...
put you down. It's an expression of you as you are. One must live. We need to survive. To go on. We must go on. <laughs>